Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie, and I'm here to give you an honest, real, and even funny outlook on living with cancer. There is no one way to do cancer, and I've decided to share my story to help and inspire others, as well as raise awareness. At age 43, I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer known as hobnail in February 2022, having never had any health issues previously. I was fit and well and took pretty good care of myself. But despite that, I got a diagnosis and I am on a long-term treatment plan. On this podcast, I will be sharing my progress regularly. And I often speak to amazing guests who've been impacted by cancer in some way. I really hope you enjoy listening. And if you do, then please rate, review, follow and recommend the pod. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Talking With Cancer. A couple of series into the podcast, I introduced a feature called Voices With Cancer. I felt that it was important to provide a platform for other people who wanted to share their cancer story because it was something that I have found so cathartic to do. There's something very powerful in just sharing what you're going through, whether you're at the beginning, middle or end of that experience. And I was really touched that I got some incredible responses and some brilliant voices, which I feel is a bit of a community, if you like. I was so happy to be a part of that community and they will forever sit on the podcast, which is just so, so lovely. So what I thought I would do this week is actually play out all the voices from this series as one episode. So I thought it would be nice to sort of group them all together and play them back to back. And I'm gonna play those out for you now. Hi Katie and everybody listening. My name is Nell, I'm from London. I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer in November, 2021. It was a complete shock. I didn't see it coming. I was young, healthy and fit with no history in my family of breast cancer or cancer. So the diagnosis completely floored me and my world fell apart very quickly. I went on to have five months of chemotherapy, surgery and radiotherapy and treatment ended in September. I found the journey incredibly lonely. Despite having robust support network, I just couldn't find that my friends and family really understood what was going on. I went to a young woman support group back in April last year and that really changed things because I found people that understood it and got it and I could really bear my soul to them and without judgment or fear. I forged a close relationship with my medical team too. My oncologist was incredible and I advocated for myself to have all my treatment under one roof at the hospital where I was being treated for cancer. And through this, I had an incredible surgeon who did a brilliant job. And I was invited to become an ambassador for Bart's charity because I found the journey lonely also because of representation. There was no one that looked like me. I'm a South Asian woman. 
I'm young and I just wasn't seeing myself represented and I desperately needed to see myself represented to see someone who looked like me through the other side thriving and it, I didn't have that. So I now act as an ambassador for St Bart's Charity. I do public speaking events and meet and greets in the hope to be a beacon of hope for other women who are going through a similar experience and to be that representation out there because it is lonely but we kind of latch onto what we need to and I needed to see myself represented so I am almost six months through end of treatment now and in a really good place living as much as I can because you just don't know with uh, triple negative cancer if it's not going to come back or not and yeah I'm really proud of how far I've come with this journey and want to make it a much less lonely place for women going through it. I'm Anna and I'm living with incurable blood cancer. Cancer unexpectedly sneaked into my life during the Covid pandemic in 2021. Like many people we were having a bit of a torrid time. My dad was critically ill in hospital with Covid. I'd aged about a hundred years trying to homeschool my kids so I was completely distracted and wasn't really paying too much attention to my own health. When my GP contacted me to say a routine blood test had come back as abnormal, I just assumed everything would be okay. One month later, I was told I had a rare type of blood cancer called essential thrombocythemia, a chronic incurable disease for which I would need monitoring and treatment for the rest of my life. I could go on and on about how upsetting it was, but I think that goes without saying with a cancer diagnosis. I was 45 at the time. Fast forward a couple of years, now I prefer to focus on the positives because unbelievably there have been many and I would love to tell you about some of them. Firstly, I feel as though I have a new pair of super sharp glasses on that allow me to see life clearly and focus on what's important and the things that bring me joy. I fundraise for blood cancer charities and train to be a buddy to support others going through a blood cancer diagnosis and through this scheme have made some incredible connections with people I would otherwise never have met. ET affects around one in a hundred thousand people, so I always tell my blood buddies that we are incredibly rare and so very lucky to have found each other. Knowing I am doing something positive with my cancer diagnosis brings me a lot of comfort. And for the clarity and meaning that cancer has brought to my life, I will be strangely forever grateful. Hi, I'm Florence and I had breast cancer in 2017 at the age of 49. I had a single mastectomy and I've been a uniboober since then. But I truly embraced my one-breasted chest after I put away my prosthesis and I decided to live half-flat days and nights. So... At the time, I could not find a bra or a swimwear for my one boobed chest, but I didn't want to give up because removing my prosthesis empowered me and helped me to accept and like my body just the way it is. It had a huge positive impact on my mental health and it really helped me to move forward after cancer. So that's why I decided to create my own designs and my own brand of brand swimwear, which is called Eno, E-N-O. It's the number one written backwards. 
And um, with Eno, I really want to give the option to live half flat after a single mastectomy. So my designs perfectly fit and embellish the flat-sided chest. I wanted to create something really comfortable and elegant because I want people who wear Eno to feel good about themselves. I want to empower them. I want to show that we don't need two breasts to feel feminine, beautiful, and good. And in this way, Eno is going against the beauty standards because, like me, many people don't realize that there is another choice than to replicate what we once have, especially in our society where breasts are still symbolic of beauty and femininity. And on top of that, Eno is made as sustainable as possible because I truly believe that we all play a role in protecting our planet. Voilà. Bye. My name is Juliette Simmons and I was diagnosed with stage 3 grade 3 breast cancer in August 2021. Since my diagnosis, I have had chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery. As one friend put it, I've been poisoned, burned and cut open. And I'm now on a combination of three drugs, including a relatively new one that I feel lucky to be able to take that will hopefully reduce my risk of recurrence, which is higher than average. This time of year brings up all kinds of feelings for me, and I wasn't quite sure where to start or what to say when recording this. A wise friend once told me that if I got stuck with something, I should just make a list. So that's what I've done. Here is my list of five things that have helped me through the past two years and continue to help me today. One, find your tribe. You might have more than one tribe. I do. But these are the people that get you and lift you and make you feel better. They might be your friends and family. They might be the people who you see walking their dogs every day, who miss you when you don't show up and hug you when they do. They might be people that you see in places like Maggie's or Future Dreams or the friends that send you WhatsApp messages or care packages out of the blue. Whoever they are, I hope you can find them. Two, remember that it's a gift to be able to move your body. In addition to all my prescribed medicines, exercise has been transformative for me. Sometimes I don't recognise the person who signed up to do a fundraising half marathon trek to raise money for the charity Future Dreams. Or the person who goes walking every day, or the person who does strength training. But getting into nature, being outside, moving my body and feeling strong makes me feel better. Three, make stuff. When I was having treatment, my friends made a beautiful quilt out of cyanotype fabric with me. That's fabric that turns blue in the sun. The act of making and creating was something that I could do when so much was out of my control and something beautiful emerged from the darkest of times. Four, embrace joy and remember that the small things are actually the big things. Having a coffee, walking a friend's dog, sitting on a bench, eating crisps, giving someone a hug, dancing. These small things and more really matter. And five, know your normal. If something looks or feels wrong with your body, get it checked out. You're not wasting anyone's time and you could save your life. Thank you, Katie, for asking me to record something for you. I hope my list is helpful to someone other than me. 
Now I'm off for a walk. Hey, my name is Danny Binnington. I want to share a little bit of my story with you and also my passion and my mission. If you're listening to this and you've been diagnosed with any type of cancer, you might have had chemotherapy, you might have had radiotherapy, maybe radiotherapy to your pelvis area, you might have had surgery, or you might be on an anti-endocrine treatment to keep your cancer at bay. All of those interventions can push you into menopause. Often this happens way before the time that you'd naturally arrive into menopause. For me, it happened through surgery. That was five years after my initial cancer diagnosis. I was 33 when I found my lump. I had three very young children and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Five years down the line, I removed my ovaries because I'm also a BRCA1 carrier and I wanted to reduce my risks of ovarian cancer. With so many women in our family die from ovarian cancer early, I knew for me personally, it was the right decision to let go of my ovaries. I also knew by then that it was going to be a tough gig managing surgically onset menopause at the age of 39. Today, I run the not-for-profit Menopause and Cancer and we support all of the women that have had a cancer diagnosis who are finding themselves in the menopause model. Many women say to me that navigating their menopause after cancer feels harder than chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery altogether. And it is my mission to help change this. So many women end up in our communities, in our chat groups, in our Facebook group, in our workshops that we run in collaboration with lots of other charities and say, gosh, Danny, I didn't think I had options. No one talked me through my options. And if you take anything away from this conversation, then I want you to know that you have so many options too. They range from medical treatments that are hormonal or non-hormonal, plenty of non-hormonal medical treatments. So much you can do with your exercise, your diet, your lifestyle with avoiding triggers, so many boxes, toolboxes that you can tap into with complementary therapies. Take anything away from my conversation today and it's you have options too and you're not alone. Hi, I'm Hayley. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May 2022, age 37. I had eight rounds of chemo, breast conserving surgery, and radiotherapy. It's all been successful. I'm now on Cadsila, Tamoxifen, various other medications, but I'm through the worst. Something about all my experiences over the past year made me really want to find ways to express myself. And many years ago, I enjoyed drawing cartoons. This sort of came back to the forefront of my mind throughout my treatment. When my surgeon went on paternity leave, I had the idea to make him a card of his baby passing him a scalpel uh, to operate on me. This was quite a bold move, but he liked the card a lot and he wrote about it in my medical notes. And this really made me think that I can use art as a way to connect with people and overcome that gap between the patient and the medical provider. This idea sort of developed and I'm now working on a graphic novel memoir about my experiences throughout my treatment. I've just been shortlisted for an award, which is really exciting. If you'd like to see some of my work, I've got some samples on Instagram. My handle's Hayley Gullen, H-A-Y-L-E-Y-G-U-L-L-E-N. And the crux of my story is all about finding ways to make that human connection. And I really hope it can be helpful to other people as well. Hi, my name's Emily. I'm 43 years old. And last year, May 2022, I was diagnosed with a rare form of thyroid cancer called medullary thyroid cancer. 
it was found incidentally on a scan that I had because I had a shoulder injury. I did have a lump, a small lump in my neck, which I'd kind of put down to swollen glands and but otherwise pretty symptomless. You know, fast forward a bit of time where we did lots of testing. I then went for surgery in end of May, 30th of May. Last year, I had a total thyroidectomy and a neck dissection, which they took out 60 lymph nodes. So very, very big surgery. It's very difficult. I lost my voice. I had lots of other issues. So very difficult surgery. The cancer had spread to my liver. So I had a liver resection in July last year uh, where they took out two tumours. I then had a radio frequency ablation on my neck because when I had my surgery, they found out I also had papillary thyroid cancer, which is kind of the more common or a treatable form of thyroid cancer. The medullary thyroid cancer is, is a incurable, or essentially incurable cancer, something that I'm going to have to monitor long-term and, and pretty relatively unknown circumstance. I recently just had a liver ablation where they ablated eight lesions in my liver, and I'm probably due to have some more treatment on my liver soon. And, you know, it's a really tough ride. It's uh, scary. And the fear of unknown of this is, you know, something really, really difficult to deal with. And it's up and down. Sometimes I feel great, normal, really kind of revived sense of life, essentially, because I change lots of things about my life. And other times it's just very, very difficult. So thank you for listening. And Katie, thank you for having me on. Hi, my name is Andrea, and in March of 2021, I was told that I would need a double mastectomy and radiation after finding a lump in my left breast. And it was a big shock, especially having no history of family breast cancer. I was actually the first person who was diagnosed in my family. In fact, I was told I was too young to get a mammogram and had to go back and ask again after the tumor had doubled in size. I highly recommend women to advocate for themselves, to use their voice, to know they're normal, to know what their body looks like. And even though my experience will be different because all of our experiences will look differently, I think it's really important to know that you can advocate for yourself, you can use your voice, you can ask questions, and you should. You should work together with your medical team. You have that right as a patient to ask your insurance company to explain what benefits are, to fight for appeals, to fight prior authorizations. No one else should be making medical decisions besides you and your medical team. And I think that it's really important to work with your medical team to obtain the best medical outcome for you. My name is Katie. I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer at the age of only 34. I was diagnosed December 2022 and since then I've undergone six rounds of chemotherapy and I have two remaining. Following my chemotherapy, I should be having surgery and radiotherapy. My biggest takeaway from all of this was I never thought it would happen to me. I stupidly never checked myself. I found a lump late August 2022 and it took me till October to get a doctor's appointment. One, because I thought nothing of it, Looking online and, and reading things, nothing suggested the lump I'd found was breast cancer. 
it completely has torn my life upside down. You know, I've had really long hair, thick, long hair. I was a standard kind of 34-year-old, still have a good job. I was going about my life never thinking anything like this could happen to me. And then when it does happen to you, it completely takes you by surprise. When I was diagnosed, I think it took a good month before I realised what was actually going on. Everything is told to you, so much information, and you can't get your head around it. Since then, I have learned to take the positives from everything that has gone on. I strangely wouldn't change anything because it has really made me value life, it's made me value the people around me, and it's made me value, you know, each day, living for each day, and how valuable life is and how quickly everything can take a turn. Chemotherapy is not an easy ride. I've had many ups and downs throughout all of this. I think for me, the biggest challenge has been for my mental health, which is why now I'm looking at the positives and I'm taking away the positives to hopefully be able to rise above this when my surgery and radiotherapy comes to an end. My biggest thing I would recommend to anyone going through this, if it is available for you, is the cold cap, because I've been able to retain a lot of my hair. I since shaved my hair off two weeks ago, so on my sixth round of chemotherapy, I had read a lot about people taking back control, and that is definitely what I've done by shaving my head and it has completely made my confidence come back. My name is Alistair Lynn and I am a germ cell cancer patient, otherwise known as testicular cancer. I was diagnosed in November 2019. I'd just come back from a holiday in Japan and I presented to hospital with internal bleeding, just so it wouldn't stop bleeding. <laughs> and after a week of investigations, they identified that I had a necrotic tumour progressing into my small intestines. Unfortunately, it had metastasized and spread to my liver, both lungs and my brain. And I was not very well at all. So I was immediately transferred to the Royal Marsden Hospital, who have looked after me for the past three and a half years saving my life and I have gone through absolutely everything I feel that could possibly be offered including going through about 265 infusions of chemo, cyberknife, radiotherapy and whole brain radiotherapy, stem cell transplant with high dose chemotherapy and also an RPLND, which is a retroperitoneal lymph node disectomy, where they also remove your testicles, uh, one of your testicles. I am still ongoing chemotherapy. I actually have chemo tomorrow. My goal is to inspire, motivate and keep on going. Hello, everyone. I'm Kat, mum to three-year-old Teddy and Rupert, who's one. In July 2022, our gorgeous train mad Teddy was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, an aggressive form of childhood cancer with a high rate of relapse. At diagnosis, children have a 40 to 50% chance of survival, which is dismal enough. 
However, after relapse, that plummets to just 5 to 10%. So far, Teddy has endured six gruelling rounds of induction chemotherapy, multiple surgical procedures and scans, two rounds of high-dose chemotherapy and two stem cell transplants, one of which landed him in Peku on Christmas Eve. He still has 20 sessions of radiotherapy and six months of immunotherapy to go. This means that Teddy is currently going through one of the most gruelling treatment regimes there is, and it may still not be enough. We are therefore fundraising in partnership with UK-registered charity Solving Kids Cancer so that Teddy can access potentially life-saving treatment currently unavailable in the UK, namely the bivalent vaccine at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, the world's first paediatric cancer vaccine, which could help him stay in remission. This could cost up to £300,000. Please follow our journey on Instagram or Facebook at Teddy and the Big C and share Teddy's story if you can. You can donate via our fundraising page at www.solvingkidscancer.org.uk forward slash Teddy Lichton or to donate by text, send Teddy L followed by any whole amount up to £20 to 70085. For example, Teddy L 20 to donate £20. This will cost your donation plus your standard network charge. Thank you for listening and for supporting Teddy. Hi Katie, what a great podcast you have. My name is Louisa. I was diagnosed with stage four secondary breast cancer in April 2017. So I obviously had it now for just over six years and I am still on treatment. Thankfully, I am doing very well, but what a ride. I started six cycles of EC chemo a few weeks after my diagnosis. So I went straight to secondary breast cancer diagnosis with liver METs and had six cycles of EC chemo and then started hormone treatment, so Zolodex, Letrozole and Palbociclip, which I am still on. I remember reading a quote, probably one of the first things that really stood out when I was first diagnosed, that said something along the lines of, as long as you're breathing, there is more right with you than there is wrong. And it set me off on a journey to explore breathing and the power of our breath. Prior to cancer, I was a severe asthmatic and had real breathing issues and breathing problems, but it wasn't until my cancer diagnosis that I took my breath seriously. After all, breath is life. Breath is number one. No breath, no life, right? So that's me. That's my tiny mini story while I'm here, still breathing and hopefully trying to live well with this cancer diagnosis for as long as I can. Look forward to hearing more of your podcasts. I don't know about you, I felt so touched by each and every one of those individual stories, each and every one of those unique people on a unique journey, having a unique experience that is incredibly challenging, incredibly hard, something that in many ways you don't really ever feel prepared for. And yet each and every one of those people underneath it there's a message they want to share or there is an element of facing that challenge head on and what I hope that shows you my lovely listeners is you know 
you can anticipate bad things happening and you can fear bad things happening. But until you're in that situation, you don't know how you're going to respond and how you're going to feel and how you're going to react. And I feel like each and every one of those voices, not just this series, but the previous series as well, so brave in a way, which sounds so weird because this is what I'm doing every week all the time. But I know for a lot of people, it's not easy. A lot of people are quite private. Maybe there's a lot of shame around living with cancer. So yeah, to sit down and record a voice note for me, I felt very touched from each and every one. So I wanted to say thank you in no particular order. Thank you to Kat, Katie, Nell, Louisa, Juliet, Florence, Haley, Emily, Danny, Anna, Alistair, and Andrea. I really, really appreciate you sending in your voice notes. And I hope that you also feel part of the Voices with Cancer community. If anyone else listening would like to share their story, just drop me an email to hello at talkingwithcancer.com. That's hello at talkingwithcancer.com. That comes straight to me. Or you could message me on Instagram. I am talking underscore with cancer on Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please do get in touch. So thank you for listening to all the voices today, sending everybody loads of love, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>